you know, pain medications here and there from, um, I had gotten a um, workman's comp situation. And so there's pain medication in the home. And, and so um, I would notice a difference in him and, uh, you know, you don't count your pills, you know, we don't think about counting medications or checking medications, but, right. um, you know, I will tell mothers out there, our intuitions are very strong and they're usually not wrong. And something in me had a feeling that just things weren't quite looking right. He wasn't quite acting right. It felt like things were missing here and there, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, so that's pretty much where it started. And then from that, it did fall over into um, his peers um, supplying things um, at school and things like that. Okay. And, and, you know, for him, this, this was his, his way, a a method for him to cope. Right. Because in other words, he didn't want to be getting in trouble in school. And, Mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes I I can tell you this, I thinking about one of my kids who used to get kind of, you know, a lot of attention brought to him because he was tapping all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was Chris, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and he was he was beating on everything all the time. And sometimes the teachers would, you know, put him on red or send him to the office. And, and, and I'm and like you say, when we say our kids are misunderstood, sometimes, uh, you know, a thorough analysis of really we all we automatically want to change their color or give them a note home instead of really doing a, a better analysis of the kid themselves. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. Like, like like an opportunity to win as opposed to this is a place where it's only punitive and, and I've got to take something artificial to thrive and survive in your environment. Exactly. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah and, and again, that, that's just, that's just, uh, you know, Greg and I did a training years ago, Letitia with um, they were, they were talking about bullying prevention and we did a whole bullying series on, what about the bully? Oftentimes we were protecting the kids and, you know, saying stay away and tell somebody. But then we started saying, but what about the kids and mm-hmm. that are doing it? Why don't we get to the root causes of, of what their acts, you know, what's causing their actions as opposed to just always looking to penalize them. You follow me? Yes. And I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. So, so through, through his early middle school years and, and, and such, did this this progress? Did, did it escalate, or when did you when do you know that it escalated? So um, when I really realized it was not something that could easily be stopped or fixed um, was probably when Jordan was about seventeen okay. years old. Um, at that point, I started seeing that it was more than just. Um, you know, something here or there to calm him or to, you know, make him be able to, you know, be able to be in a situation and not be, you know, a little bit hyper. Um, it became more of a uh, a need and a desire. Um, so probably he was about 17, almost 18. And, um, you know, he was going out a lot. He was with friends and um, his behaviors were just you know, showing me that something was, was not right. Um, you could tell he was, um, partaking in some, um, things that were causing him to get high and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I reached out to a mobile crisis unit, um, 
they came to the house. But um, as a mother, you know, I would like to say to other mothers, you know, we want so badly to believe our children. Right. You know, we want so badly not to be right sometimes, not to see the things that we think we're seeing. But what's so important is to always trust your gut feeling because they came, um, they talked to Jordan. Of course, you know Jordan. He can wax eloquent when he needed to. Yes, so right. <laughs> uh, so he was uh, he was uh, very able to make it seem like, you know, he did not have the problem that I was thinking he had. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of fell to the wayside. And then it just began to escalate to the point of, him having to do things um, illegally um, to continue um, this addiction. And and it started becoming a very serious problem. And that's when I started to realize it had gotten away from me and, um, you know, it had gotten away from him as well. So at that time it became a crisis and um, he did get locked up. Um, He did serve a couple of, um, times in jail, um, you know, several months in jail at, at a time for being, you know, found with, with drugs and paraphernalia in his, on his person. Um, and then he had an epiphany while he was in jail that, okay, if I'm going to get out and be able to be in society, I've got to try something different. And um, he was able to go to a, a um, rehab center. Uh-huh. Um he he was able to elude prison sentencing and be sentenced to a rehab um, facility. And that's where we thought that things had turned um, thinking, you know, okay, he'll get in this rehab and, you know, he'll get the, the tools he needs and he'll be able to cope once he comes back into the real world. And um, well, let me, honestly, let me, let me, uh-huh. pause, let me pause you right there because okay. again, ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning in to impacting life 24 seven. I'm, I'm joined so graciously by my sister, Letitia Murray, who lives currently in Greensboro. We're the, the gentleman you see on the screen with me is my nephew, her son, uh, Jordan Murray. And this is a follow-up um, show to our podcast last night, uh, dealing with the opioid epidemic in particular with our young young kids and i we can drill drill down even further to find that it's it's more prominent in uh, communities of color than than not and so i i've kind of from a distance watched that that transformation of jordan in the facility and i would always remark like wow he looks like a different person you know smiling i remember you know seeing pictures of you guys going up there great benchmarks and so you felt like this was going to be the turning point for him yes yes um definitely was encouraged um he while he was there was able to secure his cdl license um he was going to school he was working um and driving trucks and and just you know thriving you know i felt like getting his his um footing you know understanding that there was more out there for him that he could have a a good life and that you know the drugs and 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 that life was not something that he needed um and um, unfortunately um he was there a little over a year um some things took place and um he came home 
Um, so this is where I would say that this is where I'd like to really share, you know, with some people that may be going through this or have loved ones going through this. Um, you know, it's so important to listen, mm-hmm. to give them the tools that they need, because as bad as you want to believe someone's ready for the real world, as bad as you want to believe, you know, all you have to do is get a job or all you have to do is this, or if you'll just, you know, get up in the morning and go to school or get up in the morning and go to work, you know, and, and you'll be fine. It's a deeper rooted problem that sometimes just doesn't get seen. Um, and it's mental health, right, you know, right we we have to be better about understanding that it's okay to have a mental health problem it's okay to need help for your mind it's not you know a weakness it's not a, a cop out and um you know uh i just encourage mothers parents you know siblings loved ones you know just to encourage you know it's okay to need that extra help um because pushing someone back and out in society and thinking mm-hmm. a job or this is all they need, um, it, you know, it doesn't always work if there's a deeper rooted situation. Well, man, you're, 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 you kind of, man, you, obviously you being so, so smart and you being in, you being in healthcare yourself for all these yeah. years, you're, you're an intelligent lady. And I have been kind of beating this drum relative to mental health for quite some time now, Letitia. And and mm-hmm. what 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 you know, there is a what's the word? There is a a shadow over that term mental health. You know, yeah. you know, you and I came up in church where, you know, if Jesus couldn't handle it, then I guess it just can't be handled, right? And, exactly. And and that and that's that's an error in the church. The church is not yes. even prepared to deal with mental health. You know, they want to reduce it to somebody's got a demon and they just mm-hmm. it's no different than an arm being broke. After you pray for my arm being broke and it don't get healed, run me down to the emergency room real quick so I can get taken exactly. care of. And when we when we think about like you're you're talking exactly what I'm saying, when we think about mental health, it's like, OK, well, I'm, I'm I'll I'll go to the emergency room for a broken arm. But I, I'm I, to go talk to someone about something that I still struggle with. Oh, God forbid. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And I, and it's funny you say that because it's so true, you know you'll want someone to put a cast on your arm because you'll want that bone to heal. You'll want to be able to function and use the arm again. Right. You know, our brains, our minds are a vital part of our body. And, you know, like you said, growing up in church, raising my children in church, it was so taboo. Don't give them a pill. Don't send them here. If, if you can't pray it through, then you're not praying hard enough (laughs) or you're not seeking hard enough. And we all know that, um, you know, the Lord himself gave us physicians for a reason. Um, and, um, yeah, so it it is taboo and it is something that unfortunately we as parents, we as, you know, people ourselves just don't put a lot into because it's looked at as a weakness and that you're not strong or that you don't have enough belief. And that's, definitely not true so he came so he came out of the out of the treatment facility where he was doing really well he came out of the Mm -hmm. treatment facility and and what happened what happened after that 
Um, after that, you know, he uh, we encouraged him to get a job, and he was he looked so good. He was very encouraged, and um, and he went out. He got a job. Um, first couple of jobs didn't work out. Transportation issues. Um, he uh, actually wrecked his father's truck um, during that stint, trying to get back and forth to work. Things happened, and and it became just a lot. You know, everybody is expecting this great interest back into the world. And, okay, now you've got this, you've got that. Get a job. Let's go to school. Let's do something. And and, and I believe it became too much. And sh- shortly thereafter, he turned back to the drugs. Um, because what he told me was when he had that in the system, his mind would shut off. He wouldn't be overthinking he wouldn't be so stressed it was a lull for his mind where he could just not have to deal with that and um and unfortunately it you know began to spiral um he overdosed for the first time um i want to say it was june the 24th um and uh brought him back um ambulance was there took him to the hospital we met him there. He woke up, um, and then they allowed him to just walk out of the hospital. No one wow. came and spoke to us. No one tried to um, offer assistance. It was they revived him. He walked out, and at that time was the first time I'd ever seen him cry about the situation. And I remember asking him, "I said, Jordan, do you want to live?" And he said, "I don't know." And uh, he cried. And, you know, as a mother, that broke my heart because I couldn't understand how he didn't know whether or not he wanted to to live, just not knowing that things were just, you know, the burdens were, were becoming so heavy. And so, of course, you know, as a mother, I tried to watch him very closely after that. I tried to encourage him. His sister tried to be there um, as often um but, you know, you can't stop someone when they have this need and this um, addiction. And uh, let me let me let me let me pause you right there, Leticia, because you you're 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 helping some people tonight. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a special second the two part series of the opioid crisis. And I'm joined tonight by my sister, Leticia Murray. And uh, we've been brother and sister since 1990. 798 and, yeah, uh, yeah. and um, we're talking about the gentleman that you see on the screen in our for our live audience is my nephew her son jordan jordan murray and uh, the last few words leticia said about the struggle is addiction and you have to understand this ladies and gentlemen please listen closely and leticia who happens to be a nurse she can she can correct me if I'm wrong. You have the you have the ability to correct me on my own show, okay, sister? <laughs> okay. Addiction is very very powerful. And sometimes many times oftentimes willpower alone might get you a good week, <laughs> might get you a good month, but addiction is not just think yourself happy addiction is physiological too you know because i spent and i talked about this last night leticia i spent 
from 2013 to 2018 and a half on opioids. From 2013 to 2018 and a half. One one situation was because of the the Stacy's ulcer that about chewed off my leg. And then, yes. then the other the other situation was the the two failed back surgeries. They told me I'd be on I'd be on pain management for the rest of my life, which mean which meant every thirty days I got a new supply of oxycotton. And for it, you know, you think well, I'm I'm functional, I'm a speaker, I'm an executive, I blah 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 blah. But let me tell you something, <laughs> addiction don't discriminate. <laughs> your 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 credentials and pedigree means nothing to that and it's not just like i said it's not just uh a a thought it's 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 physiological too there there's dependency right isn't dependency a part of the equation leticia definitely yes and and, there's a dependency right and so people develop a dependency on a substance to help them escape or function or a combination of those and so the the first time when jordan uh overdosed was it with some synthetic or altered drugs do you know um so the first time that um he overdosed um and let me i guess fast forward i guess i didn't so um jordan's drug of choice um it started out with xanax um he would do Xanax bars. Um, when that didn't quite give him the enough of that euphoric feeling, like I just don't care, he turned to Percocets. Um, and he would do some really strong, um, they call them Perc 30s, Perc 60s, which is extremely, extremely strong amount of Percocet. Um, so the first time he overdosed, he had received from someone a Percocet 30, um, and he, he had snorted it which obviously gives the high much faster when you crush and snort. Um, but a lot of the the uh, drugs in the area, especially in the Carter County area, were being laced with fentanyl mm-hmm. and still are being laced with fentanyl. I can't stress that enough for yeah. people to understand. I mean, that is lethal. Um, so, yes, he, he had received um, some Percocets, um, but apparently um, – not enough this time to end his life, but enough to where he did overdose. He did have to be put on a life support for a short period of time um, and, and, and given Narcan until they brought him back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what uh, that is what he was um, taking was on um, Percocets. But like I said, um, very huge problem right now nationwide with it being laced with fentanyl, which it takes very little fentanyl to stop your heart very little and you know i i saw a report last night where uh, i read it on the show where they had seized um a large cache of pills that were laced with fentanyl in a city Mm -hmm. in a city it was enough pills to kill seven hundred thousand people because they were laced wow. with, they were laced with fentanyl. Fentanyl yeah. is 100 times more potent than morphine and 50 yes. times more potent than heroin. For yes. for the drug dealers, it it's it's cheaper for them to to use fentanyl in in the drugs that they're selling and the sad part is is that 
most of the kids or, or young people or even folks buying are just looking for, you know, I, I just I don't want uh, I don't want to die. This is just as recreational or experimental. And right. the, the sad part is and the challenge is, like you talked about Carteret County and other counties throughout North Carolina, is that people are, do not know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. And they trust the people that they're getting it from. Right. Um, my son was not getting it from strangers that he d- he didn't know anything about. These were people he hung out with, people he laughed and joked with, people he he uh, you know considered friends. Um, but they were drug dealers, and again, it's cheaper to get the fentanyl, mm-hmm. and um, this is what they were lacing it to you know, line their pockets. So yes, it's a, it's an extremely huge problem that, um, takes a lot of lives. I'm on a group on Facebook, um, mothers who have lost their sons and every now and then, you know, the mothers will, you know, report that they received their child's autopsy reports or toxicology reports. And almost every single time for every single child that overdose, it is fentanyl. And I mean, it's, and these are women all over. This isn't just right. local. It's it's all over. Um, so it's a huge problem, very big problem. And and so the the time that 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 Jordan, uh, number one again, I want to thank you, Letitia, because I know that um, I, I know that this is that that boy was your heart. There is no yeah. there was no doubt that Jordan <laughs> was your heart, and um, and and you were his. And and so after the re uh, re resuscitation and bringing him back, did did anything did any did that help? I mean, in terms of giving him kind of a wake up call or. Uh, you know, I felt like it did. You know, as a mother, you you want to believe your words aren't going unheard, and and I, because you know how close Jordan and I were. I, I spent that next day with him, took him to the place he loved, um, the beach. And we just had a really heart-to-heart talk. And I really tried to understand where he was coming from and what the issues were. And he opened up to me. But, you know, where I feel like I will say, you know, I failed or or we just failed to realize is that talking wasn't enough. You know, this this was already something that had him. And... um, he it wasn't something he could easily escape. You know, I remember telling him, uh, sitting in the living room the very next day after this happened, uh, with his sister sitting there, his father sitting there, and I said to him, I said, "You do realize that there is a point sometimes of no return." I said, "There's always that point, you know, possibility of a point of no return," and he said, "Yes." Um, but I felt like that was something. His addiction was so strong that even that did not deter him from continuing to feel that feeling because, again, it was a mental health situation. He would tell me it quiets the voices in my head. It calms me. It helps me to be able to be clear. And that's something that he craved and that's something that he needed. And, again, you know, looking back, I wish that's something that I would have been able to give him at an earlier age. Um rather than him having to seek it out on his own. Um, <clears throat> so, 
so um so of course you know that that happened and then um we felt better but I, I still felt like something was missing I could see it in his eyes and it was almost like he was letting me know mom I can't stop and if I don't get help it's gonna something's gonna happen I, I could see it in his eyes and um a couple of days before he did overdose again he looked at me and he said mom he said um you better find me somebody to talk to soon because these voices, you know, these, these the, the things I'm hearing in my head, the things that are keeping me up all, at night, um, I can't quiet them. And he was not telling me, he was still doing the drugs, he was telling me I can't quiet them without the drugs. Um, and then on his um, July 21st, his 23rd birthday, uh, he you know, had wanted to partake with a friend of his, and he'd had a big party that weekend, had everybody there at the house, had a great time, um, had really celebrated turning 23, um, and then on his birthday, he had a friend over, and this friend was a drug dealer, um, and had given him something to party, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it to you for free, this is for your birthday, of course, to someone that's a, an addict, you know, free. It's like, wow, you're doing me a favor. Um, at some point, and of course, I, I wasn't home. Um, his sister was there. But at some point, he went upstairs, um, did the drugs, and um, I was on my way home with his birthday dinner and um, talking to his my daughter on the phone, telling her to wake him up, that I had the birthday dinner, and we were going to have seafood, which was one of his favorites. Um, she went upstairs to wake him, and he was gone. He was he was cold to the touch. Um, of course, you know, the mother and me, the nurse and me, you know, both were struggling within itself because the mother and me, I flew home. I, I, I made it before 911, before the EMTs got there. I worked on my own son, and... Um, I just remember looking in his eyes, just, you know, begging him and, and, and also apologizing to him. And so I tell mothers, I, I will share this with mothers who are going through this. Don't have to apologize to your children when it's too late because it's difficult to make them do something. But if they're crying out for help, even if they seem like they don't want it, you know, you owe it to them, to yourself, to do everything you can. And don't get me wrong, I, I have no real regrets. Jordan knew I loved him, and Jordan knew I'd lose heaven and hell if I had to for him. But the piece you know, that hurts is that at some point, he just didn't get that one thing that maybe would have um, helped him turn a corner and, and possibly saved his life. So um, I just employ mothers, fathers, you know, listen, go with your gut feeling even if they say they're okay, if you know they're not, if you see they're not, don't, don't give up. Don't, don't, you know, don't let it slide. Um, don't think there's always tomorrow because that, that day can come to an end. And sadly for me, um, and for Jordan, it, it did come to an end on his 23rd birthday. Um, so. And, um, you know, the, 
crazy thing about the, the unfair thing about life is, is that, you know, there's, there's really no, no human capacity to put into words what you, who you and Francis are, who remain and Arlene and Cherie, there's no, there's no human capacity to put into words or even expressions how you feel on, on a yeah. on a daily basis, and I feel like your story is uh, your 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 testimony of your son is is extremely powerful and there are more people than not that are struggling that are struggling okay and lady i'm having on the show this coming thursday she's uh she's the founder of pumped up parenting and one thing uh that she said that i i wholeheartedly uh, agree with is you know listening to your children yes. and uh man if i you know if if i could and it and it's not always just listening to their words but l- listen yes you know what i mean listen to yes. their body language their body their actions yes, yes yeah yeah and um you know i i will say this having known jordan i think most of his life yeah he did definitely he um it was uh you know i i knew without trying to be all up in his business i knew that there there were some struggles and what you said really resonates with me because i still have the message on my phone well i can't remember the exact date leticia but uh, I sent them a message after the, the first episode and uh, said, hey, man, I want to bring you down here to, to the Ville and uh, cook for you and have you have you over. And he's responded, I love that. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just like, OK, well, let me get my schedule aligned. Let me, you know, what I mean, I'm and, you know, the, like you say, it, go with your gut. I should have went and picked him up that that same day. Um. But I will say this, that Jordan's um, legacy uh, will will serve and stand to help maybe a kid or a mom or dad that's listening to us tonight or that will be listening on our podcast that, you know, you feel like you don't know what to do. You feel like you have no hope. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give someone with some experience and opportunity to speak to both groups. So Leticia, what I like you to do is let's say there's a young person out there listening to us right now who, who is, uh, who is going through the same quiet struggle with the same echoing voices that, that Jordan had. And they, they, they can't seem to get their bearings. Why don't you take a moment and speak to that kid? So what I would say to that child, that kid, is that there's someone out there. You may not think they want to hear about it. You may not think they would understand. Um, But 
I would say talk talk to your mother if that's your person if it's your father if it's your sibling pastor get that outside of you um don't allow those thoughts those feelings those voices to consume you and don't uh, don't feel like it's your job and only your job to quiet them because you've been misunderstood um there are people out there that uh will listen that can find you the assistance you need that want to help you do not feel that you're all alone do not feel that you're crazy uh do not feel that you know you're the only person that that this happens to uh, my son was a highly intelligent young man, extremely smart. Um, he had loving parents. He grew up in a Christian home. Sometimes it's not what you do, what you've done. Um, it can just be the fact that you have a, a an illness, a, a sickness that needs to be helped. And there are physicians, there are doctors, there are nurses, there are people in place that can help you, that can give you uh, ways to quiet those voices, that give you tools to to um, be able to overcome those things so that you don't have to seek out um, a way on your own to, to deal with that. Um, so I just employ anybody listening that has those feelings, that is struggling with addiction, that feels like that is the answer. It's not the answer. It, it, it will not lead to anything um, uh, anything good. It, it only leads you down one path. Um, so I implore you, talk. Let it out. Don't hold it in. Don't feel like you're alone. And please don't feel like no one would understand. There are people that understand. There are, there are people that will help you. Um, just get that help and, and don't try to take that on, on your don't try to take that into your own hands. It's bigger than you. And, and you'll need others. And you'll need people that love you. And you'll need people that can help you. Don't feel like this is something that you have to tackle on your own. Very, very powerful words. Again, Impacting Life 24-7. We're doing our the second part, the second night in our two-part series. Um, and it, 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 it hits a whole lot closer to home when it's, when it's somebody in your family and uh yes. you know oftentimes i speak out to that to that screen and i speak in this microphone and i'm hoping that the people i'm having on can make an impact in somebody's lives but tonight i have no doubt that that this this story this this life story that is being lived before us tonight it can help somebody. So I'm asking all of our viewers and listeners to please share this. Uh, let it help us get the word out. And then to moms and dads, Letitia, you uh, have raised three amazing children. Ar- Arlene still doesn't know if she likes me or not after all these years. <laughs> she just don't have, she can't, she can't quite figure me out. You know what I mean? No, she cannot. I think my, I think my kids poisoned their mind and said, he's a terrorist. <laughs> uh, but you raised three three amazing kids. I got the video on my phone of uh, when you guys stayed behind us in uh, White Sands. And I, yeah. went, I went over to the house and, and Jordan was uh, 
on a skateboard with a friend and I said, man, let me show you how to ride that skateboard. And, <laughs> and I, I did some little half-hearted old man trick and they, they cracked up at me like I was just <laughs> like, they didn't they did hold the laughter back. So moms and dads are who, who, you know, I want you to speak to them, Leticia, but you know, sometimes the societal pressures cause us to maybe not take action because like you said, we don't want to be viewed a certain way or, you know, if it's, if it's our social settings or our church friends or whatever. And so there's mom, there's a mom, there's a dad, there's a family that the adults are maybe at their wits end and somebody like Letitia Murray can come along and give them some words of encouragement and, and advice. What would you say to them? So to the parents, I would say, listen, 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 listen to your children, their body language, what they say, how they say it. Um, and do not allow anyone to tell you, oh, they're just being bad. They're just acting out. If you would do this, they would get it together. Or if you'll, you know, this punishment. Of course, we want to raise our children to be good children, to have good manners. Um, but when if you see something and you've got that gut feeling that something isn't right, listen to your gut feeling. Right. It is almost always absolutely correct and don't allow anyone to make you feel weak if you're a person of faith don't allow anyone to make you feel like your faith isn't strong enough if you take your child to talk to someone um these are things are put into place to help and so often we don't seek it out until it's too late so get your children the help that you know they need because as parents we know it we may not voice it we may not, uh, we may push it away and say, oh, no, if I get them into this, they'll, 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 they'll get out of that or, or whatever. Listen to that gut feeling. You take your child, you get your child the help that you know your child needs. And don't allow anyone to make you feel any way about it. Because if you save your child's life, if I could reverse back time, and when I saw those signs, if I had set my son in front of a person that could have gave him those tools he needed, I would hit rewind in a heartbeat. Mm. But it's too late for me, for him. So I'm telling you as a mother, it, it, you know, and, and to the fathers, do not allow anyone to stop you. Get your child that help. Listen to your children. They are telling you exactly what they need without actually telling you what they need. And so if you've got a heart for your child and you're that kind of parent that's connected, which most all of us are, we know what they're saying. We know what they're needing. And sometimes we're the ones too afraid to push the envelope, push the envelope, do what it takes to get your child help. And that's, um, I, I, I'm telling you, Leticia, as many speeches I've, as I've given over the years, that was probably the best one I've ever heard because it, it was from the heart. And uh, you you are speaking you're speaking truisms to to this situation, even in the midst of your hurt. That just demonstrates what what an unselfish person that you are, uh, Leticia Murray. And we honor Jordan. 
and those who <laughs> might, those who might be just passing by on our live audience that that handsome young man that you see on the screen is is Jordan wait a minute what was his middle name hold on Christian I was I was getting it jeez (laughs) I'm just trying to help you along I do forget a lot on the show sister I forget a lot (laughs) it's a wonder I remembered your name Greg has to message me throughout the show like their name is not Billy it's Joe it's Jody you know so um but Again, ladies and gentlemen, for our Impacting Life 24-7 podcast, as well as our, our live audience, please do us a favor and share this. Okay, I know last night I was a little hard on y'all, but I was I was speaking from kind of this moment, knowing that what my sister had to go through and what she continues to go through, my brother Francis, uh, you know, to watch as a your family, but to watch as an outsider because there's nothing you can say. There's nothing that you can do. There's, there's no amount of consolation in a situation like this, but then you, you see what Letitia has done in bottling up her pain and expressing it in a way that could possibly give someone pause and someone hope that actions are, are are important. I will tell you this, man, to the moms and dads, what she said when she said, get them the help that they need. Listen to what she said, because sometimes we fill our kids schedules up with activity. But activity is not accomplishment if they have a if they have a deeper need, you can take them to you can take them to ballet and fencing and swimming and all of that. But if you don't get them what they need, that's just a bunch of activity. And you're not accomplishing getting to the root cause of what's going on in your child's life. So, Leticia, I want to say that uh, we will definitely we will definitely continue to honor you and to honor Jordan and Francis and your entire family uh, as time you feel. I would love to share your story again because I, I know that it's important. I'm not going to get off the the uh, the uh, discussion of opioids because it really is. I did not realize that it was this serious, you know, yes, uh, it, it is. And the fent- is. the fentanyl issue is scary. It, it's yes. not, it's not just it's not just an issue. It's scary because moms and dads, your kids kids are going to experiment we would pray that they wouldn't but that that and i'm not saying it's always going to be the case but if a kid just out of innocent experimentation could get a hold of something that could kill them yes we need to be sounding the alarm and so Letitia, we really appreciate you we love you and um man this was the best served uh 50 minutes of my week okay <sighs> Well, thank you. And I really appreciate you allowing me to tell Jordan's story. Um, Of course, you know, I adored him and I'll take any opportunity to share what a beautiful soul he was and to try to help someone from having to, you know, like you said, live with this pain and, and, and this grief. So thank you for having me. All right. And we'll do it again until next time, though. I uh, love you, and uh, we'll be continuing to pray for you, and uh, I know that you impacted many lives tonight, okay? All right, thank you. All right, God bless you. <laughs> thank All you, right. God bless you.
So that was, ladies and gentlemen, Letitia Murray. And uh, you're right, Greg. You, you said it. He sees it all the time. And it is crazy. Greg says he sees it every day. So as you see, ladies and gentlemen, we don't just, I mean, we have hundreds of people on this show every year, but um, I, I watched, I watched Jordan's parents and they, they absolutely adored that boy, that young man. And we are not. We are not but just a few mules burden of earth removed from that being us. So um, she said it best to the parents. Listen, man, if I could go back and rewind my entire parenthood. I did a whole lot of talking. I did a whole lot of bloviating. I did a whole lot of lecturing and man I I didn't listen nearly enough if I could go back and redo that that's where I would start as a parent y'all know my book's coming out in July right and one of the elements that I've been unearthing about this story about this tragic story of my life was that I was listening I was wanting someone to hear me I was wanting someone to I was screaming out but nobody was listening not mom dad nobody and sometimes our kids may not verbalize what they're trying to say but Letitia said it best she said look at their body language listen to their body language because that's us that's a form of communication and you need to be attuned to it all right so that concludes tonight's uh, Impact in Life 24-7. And you're right. I, I, I will, let, me just, let me just go ahead and, and uh, say that, Greg, because that's a, that's a very good point. And I, I want to say this with reverence, but understand this, that people of faith are not exempt from their children needing help services themselves needing help and services heck i need help and services and i'm not being facetious <laughs> um you know sometimes we we put our faith and trust in god we do it's a it's a reality but she also are helped us really peel back the onion to see man that the human body is is a complex organism and we don't have any issues with fixing something that we know is broke right we we see a, a a lamb out of place we know that there needs to be interventions but then when we talk about the mind you know we said be transformed by the renewing of your mind right but some some people's minds need a a a physician's intervention and that does not make them one cubit less of a Christian because you seek that help. Some pastors are not skilled in that. 
that they, they, they can't counsel in mental health issues. You understand? And if if pastors are worth their salt, they won't try to they won't try to uh, exegesis your your situation. They will say, let's get him to Dr. So-and-so down the road or her down the road. It, it, that's a that's real. And as I get older, man, I I I I. I I have my faith in the Lord. Let me tell you something, y'all. I've been doing this a while, man, since I was 14, loving the Lord. But as I've gotten older, that don't mean I'm more enlightened. I just realized that you don't just do, you don't just walk through this life blindly and just say, well, you know, come say, come saw, whatever happens, happens. No, if, if, if my child needs mental health intervention, then bless God, I'm going to get it. And if I need it, you know, I can pray, I can ask God, I can seek, and I can still be struggling. And, you know, sometimes why people leave out of the church is because they they feel this struggle, like there's this cloud over getting mental health help, and it shouldn't be that way. And our churches need to do better in that regard. I'm just telling you because I know the interworkings of some churches. And it, it, it's a struggle. So thank you, Letitia Murray. Thank you, Jordan Murray, for your life that you lived. Thank you, Greg, for riding with me. And thank you all who tuned in. I didn't see anybody on the screen because I had, uh, I had to get the audio correct and get her into the system. So we'll be back Thursday night right here on Impact Life 24-7. And we will have Celia. She is the CEO of Pumped Up Parenting. I'm joining with her the first week of April, and we're hosting an International Day of Calm. So we're going to talk about that this coming Thursday. We're going to ask people to sign up for it. Really, take a pledge to have one day, I think it's April 5th or April 4th, where we're going to an International Day of Calm. I know my kids probably wish I had had that a long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, God bless you. We'll see you back here on Impact Life 24-7 with your host, C.L. King, Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. God bless you.